Macworld Podcast number 153 for February 11th, 2009, sponsored by Macworld Superguides. What you need to know. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breen. Nearly every shoe has dropped from last month's Macworld Expo. Apple shipped iWork 09 just after its announcement, and iLife 09 hit the streets at the end of January. The remaining announcement, the updated 17-inch MacBook Pro, has been delayed for reasons unknown. Exciting though iWork 09 may be, most Mac users are far more interested in iLife 09, specifically iPhoto and iMovie 09. And because they are, this episode of our podcast focuses on these two products. We begin with my discussion with senior contributor and former Macworld Big Cheese, Rick LePage, who recently reviewed iPhoto 09. Following a word from our sponsor, Macworld Superguides, I'm joined by frequent Macworld contributor Jeff Carlson to look at the ins and outs of iMovie 09. But before we get to those interviews, it's Mac 911 takes to the air! Hi, Chris. This is Jeff Stoutenborough from Santa Barbara, California. I've got an iTouch with lots of notes files, including my yearly business mileage log. There has to be an easy way to get all that text onto my G5 so I can print out a copy for my tax file, right? Thanks a godzillion. Bye. Good question, Jeff. This notes going nowhere stuff is the bane of just about every iPhone and iPod touch owner I know. Apple will tell you, and so I guess I will too, that if you really need these notes, all you need to do is open the notes application, tap the email icon at the bottom of the screen, and email the note to yourself. Once you receive that email on your Mac, you just copy and paste the text into some form acceptable to your accountant. But let's back up and allow me to stress this phrase, easy way. This is clumsy, particularly when you have a lot of notes that you'd like to copy. So we'll file this one under rich third-party opportunity. If you insist on using Apple's Notes application, you can use Ecamm Network's $20 phone view to move notes off your iPod Touch or iPhone and to your Mac. In addition to notes, it can also move music and videos, audiobooks, podcasts, and photos from your little pocket pal to your computer. I use it quite often for moving stuff between my iPhone and iPod Touch and Mac. An alternative is to forget Apple's Notes application altogether and use Evernote. This is a free iPhone slash iPod Touch slash Macintosh slash Windows application and service that lets you create text, photo, and voice notes on the iPhone or iPod Touch. If you're going to use it with the iPod Touch, you need a compatible microphone for the voice notes. These notes are then synced with Evernote servers and distributed to your Evernote web page and the free Evernote application that you can download to your Mac. If you have a jailbroken iPhone or iPod Touch with SSH installed, you can use a program called iPhone Notes to move notes between your iPhone or iPod Touch and your computer. Now, all these solutions work, but in an ideal world, Apple would make it possible to sync notes just as you can now sync contacts and calendars. And unfortunately, they don't yet. I hope that comes in the future. Thanks for the question, Jeff. Your reward for asking it and having it played on the podcast is your choice of any Macworld Superguide. Those of you who'd like to get in on this Mac 911 takes to the air action can do so by calling 415-520-9761. Leave your question on our answering machine and then follow up that question with an email alert to yours truly that you've left that message and then I'll check it out. The address here is podcast at macworld.com. And now Rick LePage and I talk iPhoto 09. I'm joined by Macworld senior contributor Rick LePage, who recently reviewed iPhoto 09, and iPhoto 09 has the new faces and places features, and we're going to talk extensively about those. Thanks for being here, Rick. Well, it's great to be here, Chris. All right, so let's start with faces, because that was uh, one of the things they showed off at Expo as being a really big deal. So give us just generally an idea of how it works. The Faces feature in, in iPhoto 09 is essentially some technology that searches your photos for things that resemble faces. And, and you know, we look at faces and we say, oh, well, eyes, nose, and a mouth. And, yes, Apple's technology does some of that, but there's things like shape and uh, color and other, other things that it uses. It's not just so simple, mm. as, simple as, as looking for eyes, nose, and, and face or and mouth. And... What happens is as you import photos, 
it recognizes faces. You can go through and what they call tag them with, you know, this is me, this is my wife, this is my kid, my uncle Joe. And then Apple will, the iPhoto will try to match up those faces that you've selected as certain individuals with other faces and other pictures that it thinks might be that person. And, and it becomes like a little game. You know, there, there, there was obviously a, a lot of, uh, you know, people got really jazzed about it. This is not like, you know, CSI, you know, where, you know, that, you know, people go into the pixel level and it's like, you know, you pull up stuff from a face database and, you know, it automatically matches. I mean, this is still sort of early level consumer technology. Um, you know, you have to work at it a bit. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it's a, it's a very simple process. You know, you, you open up a photo and I, and I photo and, you know, if you, you just, there's a little name button down at the bottom you click on it, and basically it shows you a little box around the face that, that you know, or what it thinks is a face. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not always perfect. Um, and you can just type in that it's so-and-so. You know, um, you know, I have a bunch of pictures of my wife, Lee. And so, you know, I just go in and, you know, I took 10 or 15 pictures, said that this was Lee, you know, added some other people. And in the library, in the library view, you have a, little item called faces and if you go there you get a, a little cork board with pictures of all the people that you you've tagged so far and you know you can actually go through and it'll it'll say well i see lee might be in these other pictures and it gives you a whole list of pictures that that you can look at and you can go in and say yes that's her no this is not her um, when you first start doing it it's it's it it, it doesn't work like again, like you know, you would expect mm-hmm. it to based on what you see on TV. Um, you really do have to put some work into it. Um, but over the course of of about a week, I gradually added photos to the, my iPhoto Nine library. Um, and by the end of the week, I was up at about ten thousand photos, mm-hmm. and it was doing a pretty good job of recognizing faces. In a nutshell, that's sort of what it is. Okay. Right? So how consistent did you find the results? Because I know when I did it, it like got my mom in three pictures, and it couldn't get me I, – I think I had to tell it 50 or 60 times who I was before it finally went, oh, I know who you are. Yes, and, and, I, and I think that's, that's pretty consistent. I, 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 I was the same way. And there are some people where it just, it, it just didn't, doesn't work very well at all. Um, I got probably about 75 people in my faces database and, uh, you know, there were a couple where it just kept telling me that, you know, this was someone else. And no matter how much I would tell it, no, it's not, you know, it would still come up. But again, once I found that I got my library fairly large and I did this gradually, Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that I noticed in looking on the web is a lot of people just uploaded their, their their existing iPhoto library, which had thousands of photos in it. And then we're sort of like, well, hey, why isn't this working? And I think part of it is it really does need to, you need to work with it over time for it to, 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 to come out. And the other, the other thing to note is that if you're wearing a hat, for example, and your, your eyes are, are shaded or you're wearing sunglasses, um, you know, it's not great at, at picking that stuff up. Although if iPhoto recognizes that there's a face on this page and it's you, but you're wearing sunglasses and you click and, and say, no, this is me. It, it takes that and, and uses that to sort of help refine the database. And one of the things that I did find was, you know, I have one of my little nieces, you know, she wears like sunglasses almost all the time. And, you know, she's got her hair 10 different ways. And when I first started doing it, it really didn't work very well. Mm-hmm. But after, after about, I'd say 20 photos or so, it really did start to pick up who she was. And I was kind of amazed because I was even importing photos from, you know, six or seven years ago. And, you know, she's changed quite a bit in that time. So I, I think it, it's important to, to set some realistic expectations. Um, Apple, your iPhoto doesn't automatically recognize everybody. You know, you have to put in the work to make this happen. And whether it's worth it to you or not, that's, that's another, another thing. Um, one other little thing about I've, about the faces feature is, um, you know, there are plenty of photos you'll look at, and, it, and even though there's 
there's people and faces in there, iPhoto doesn't recognize anything as a face. And, you know, you get this little button that you can do to add a missing face Mm -hmm. and you can put it on top of it. But the database doesn't use that to further refine that person. That's solely for tagging the image so that it comes up in smart albums or in the faces pane or anything else like that. Um, and, and, and that's where, you know, faces and, and places too are, are really just different ways to uh, tag or keyword your images. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we've been talking for years about, you know, as we start to build these huge libraries, you want to have things that help, you know, delineate these photos because, you know, they all come from our digital cameras with silly, stupid names. And very few of us, you know, as we import photos, do we, you know, rename the the set to be, you know, my trip to Paris or, Mm -hmm. you know, family vacation 2008. Um, And and faces is really just another way to keyword. Yeah. And that does seem to be the whole thrust of both faces and places is that you're right. We've got tens of thousands of photos now. And it's just trying to provide some kind of shortcut for keywording because nobody wants to keyword. Exactly. And, 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 and Apple, to its credit, in iPhoto 8, one of the things that I thought they did really well was the, the, the keyword panel. Mm-hmm. And yet they still find that people don't really want to do that because it's work. Yeah. And, 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 I, and, and I have to say, and I, I was clear in the review that I did, you know, that, that you know, if, you, if you want to use faces, you have to work at it. I thought... Oh, gee, oh, so, you know, I go through and I do a little bit of this, and then from then on, whenever I import thing, it will automatically know that this is me and put that, you know, tag that as me. And it's like, no, it, you have to go through the process of, say, of answering the question that iPhoto asks. Is this so-and-so? Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the interface that they've, that they've created to do it is, is, is not bad, um, you know, I'd like it to be a little bit more automated. I, what I would love is, you know, when I import a bunch of photos, you know, I click on the faces button and it says, okay, you just imported these 20 photos. Let's go through them, you know, right. and, 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 and tag them. That would be a little bit more, I mean, I know, you know, my, my dad would probably do something like that. Is he really going to sit down and go through and do, you know, oh, I got to remember to go in and click this. Um, you know, he might one day for fun, but, you know, part of this whole thing is, you know, you want a keyword and tag as you're bringing images in. Uh, but overall, they did a good job. Do you find that you're now using faces to find your images? Not yet. I, I will. I mean, I've been sort of more on the pro side, you know, using Lightroom and Aperture. Sure. Uh, but I, I, I've, I've always used iPhoto. I mean, I think the iPhoto bookmaking stuff is really good. Um, I think the the mobile me gallery stuff was nice, and so I would I would take subsets of images and put them in iPhoto, sort of like my my selects. I would definitely use it for that. I know that that you know when my wife looked at it, she was like, "I want that on my on my iMac," and yeah. so I went just did that. And and you know I I, I think it as as I said, it needs a little bit more refinement for 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 me um, to 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 really see it as something that everybody's going to use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a little bit more technical, so I'd probably use it all the time. But others may not. I, I, I think it, it, it really is going to depend. It's, it's like the whole events thing that they introduced in iPhoto 08. Mm-hmm. You know, when it first came out, a lot of people really didn't like it. Um, and I know plenty of people who don't even, who pretend that it doesn't exist. Hmm. And, um, and again, you know, my wife, when she first looked at it, she thought it was, she hated it. But when I went to upgrade her to iPhoto 09 last week, I noticed she's actually using it. She's yeah. using it the way that Apple intended it to be used. Yeah. You know, which is she puts, you know, each event is really an event in, in, in her life. Um, you know, it will probably take her a while to use Faces. And I think what, she, what, what she'll do and what I'll probably do is, you know, I'll code the, 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 the pictures that include, you know, me, you know, the family, mm-hmm. you know, good friends and things like that. Um, it, the, the faces stuff was kind of cool with Facebook. Um, you know, they added, uh, you know, integration with Facebook and Flickr right. where you could, you could up, upload your images to Facebook and then other people could tag, um, themselves or other people in the images. And then they would automatically get updated on your, on, on your iPhoto library. That's kind of cool. And, you know, when I went, I'm not a big Facebook guy, you know, I'm sort of, you know, I'm 50. I'm, I'm definitely on the far side of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, when I talk to other people who are really using it, you know, this whole tagging photos thing is, is a big deal. Okay, so let's turn to places. What's the brief description on how it works? Um, well, if, if you've ever used Google Maps, you've gone and you've typed in an address and, you know, it comes up and gives you this pretty little map and says this is where the place is. Um, behind that is, you know, are, are two numbers essentially. There's really three, but two numbers, latitude and longitude. And that's how um, the, the GPS, Global Positioning Satellite System, um, was enabled. And that, that sort of drives everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so Places is sort of a, 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 an overlay similar to Google Maps in iPhoto that lets you assign, you know, I was in Paris when I took these pictures. Right. And, um, you know, so you can tag your images with location data. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is kind of a big deal for some people, and other people will look at it and say, "Eh, I don't care." Yeah. Um, I, again, I think you know it, it's it's really cool stuff. Um, there's a few years ago, people were thinking that you know we'd start to get you know with the rise of GPS devices, you know we'd start to get cameras with built-in GPS units, so that you know every time you click the picture, you know the the camera would take the posi- exact position of that mm-hmm. of your your location at that point in time and add it to the the metadata with the photo, right. and then you'd always know where you took it. Um, that hasn't happened for a lot of reasons. Um, one of the big things is, is that GPS really is latitude, longitude, and altitude, uh, and you know I, I don't know what those num- you know I look at those numbers in in a in metadata for a photo and it's like it's Greek to me, right? Um, you know, so what Apple did in iPhoto nine was they tried to, um, you know, like I said, Google Mapify it, right? Um, you know, so you can go in and you can you import a bunch of photos and you can select them and you can set, you can select one or a group and say, you know, I, you know, I was in Paris and you know you can type in an exact location. You could just type in Paris, um, and they give you a little a nice little window called My Places that lets you put things in like, you know, I put in home, I put in the locations of the trips I took. Um, and then, you know, you can add those to your images over time um, mm-hmm. or, again, when you import them. You know, the, the problem, again, becomes there's not a lot of cameras that have GPS devices. Um, you know, GPS devices in general are not something that a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. So if, if you want to do this, it, it's, it's again, it's a very manual thing, but it gets back again to that keywording thing. Right. I think for some people, you know, they'll just, you know, it's easier for them to use keywords. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, is that, you know, places sort of, you know, Apple actually did license Google Map technology. Um, and so when you, you can click on a, 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 a pin on a map and it will show you all of the, the images that you took in that location. Right. Keywording won't let you do that. So it, it, it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I, you know, again, they've, 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 they've put some nice, some nice features in there. You know, if you, you're looking at a photo in grid view, there's a little info icon in the lower right hand corner. You click on it, you know, and it flips around and it'll show you the, the map location where it was, or you can enter in where it was. What they've done is, is they've done this, this thing called reverse geocoding, that, that where they take the that, that gibberish, that latitude, longitude data that none of us really know what that means, and they, they back translate it. So they say, you know, this is in, you know, this area, in this city, in this country, you know, in mm-hmm. this continent type of thing. So you can, you know, there's a, a really nice browse view in a manner similar to what you get in iTunes, right. you know, where you can sort of say, you know, artist, you know, artist album song. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, country, you know, state or province, city, and then, you know, where. Right, right. And then they have some uh, specific locations built in, like they have parks and museums and, and landmarks. Right. Right, and that was one of the weird things that that I got with it was, you know, I went in and and said, oh, okay, you know, well, I was at the Eiffel Tower, you know, I was at the Pompidou Center, um, and so I went into my places and I created these special things, and then in that browse view, they would show up twice mm-hmm. uh, because you know some of Apple's database has those things in them, and some of you know 
other places, you know, it's not going to have them at all. Right. Um, there were there were a few things in places that that I thought Apple could have done a little bit more work on. Um, uh, you know, I accidentally selected a bunch of images, thinking I'd selected only two, and went and changed the location data. And I had meticulously done all of this stuff, and um, it changed it to this other location. And I realized what I did, and there was no undo. Ah. So I had to go back and do this. Um, you know, you know, again, this is one of those things that it really depends on, on, you know, if, if you want to attach this type of information to your images, you're going to have to work at it a little bit. Right. Um, now that said, if you have a GPS device, um, or a thing called a GPS logger and you're willing to go through a little bit of, of, um, work on the side, um, you can actually import photos with all of that latitude and longitude data already in it and you know your places are automatically filled out yeah now i um, wanted to talk about that too because not a lot of cameras do have gps built in uh, i got a, uh, an attachment for my uh, nikon d300 that that goes into the hot shoe that that adds gps to my camera yep. but uh what are some other ways for doing this if you want to take your camera out but it doesn't have gps on it well um the the if you have a gps unit um, most modern GPSs will basically, as you, if you turn it on, as you go, it will store a log of where you've been. Mm-hmm. And um, you can use software to then download that log file and marry the images that you took on your camera with that log file. And basically, it will add that location data to the EXIF or the metadata that comes with those the, that, that's stored with those images. And then when you import them into iPhoto, you know, they'll automatically get the places information. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a, a Garmin GPS that I use. Um, it's for my motorcycle, but I also use it in my car. And a lot of times I'll just leave it on and put it in my camera bag and walk around with it. And then when I get back, I plug in the GPS device and I plug in my my card Mm -hmm. and instead of importing them directly into iPhoto I copy the the images to a folder on my hard disk and I use this uh, great program it's a $30 it's a steal called Huda Geo Mm -hmm. and um, all you do is you drag the folder of images into the window and then you tell it to connect to your GPS and if it's plugged in and it's you've got a mainstream GPS it'll automatically read that log file you don't even have to download it it automatically reads the log file and then just apl- it applies the the location data to those images and then you write it out you write them back and import it into iPhoto and you go um, if you don't have a GPS device you can also look at these things they're they're relatively new um, called GPS loggers hmm. and all they are, are tiny little devices with a GPS chip in them um, and you turn them on and as you go wherever you go it just like tracks where you're going and um some of them have a you know little button on them that you press it and it creates what's called a waypoint and that's just sort of a a flag for hey i was here mm-hmm. and so when it reads it back in you, you know you could say you know i was at this this beautiful cliff looking at the sunset and i i want to know exactly where that was so that i can rename that um that waypoint right um and I bought a because I do a lot of photography work and and hiking and things like that, and the my GPS device is kind of big. I bought this um, device called a Wintech. It's got some wacky numbers and and names, but it's a little Bluetooth device. And all I do is turn the Bluetooth on. I pair it with my Mac, and Huda Geo just downloads the log file. Does hmm. the same thing as if I had a GPS device. Cool. Um, the Downside of a lot of these GPS loggers is they don't have Mac software. Mm-hmm. They're kind of funky to con- to configure. Um, but there's a open source software product called GPS Babel, and it's not really something you or I would use. But a number of software developers use that as sort of the engine to help you do these types of, of um, you know location marrying with your images. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are a couple that I've tried. One is called MyTracks. Um, another one is called GPS Photo Linker. Um, and another one's called Photo GPS Editor. And those are all free. Um, you know, the, the authors do request that if you really use them, um, you know, you, you 
cinema uh, token donation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if, if, if for not a lot of money, you can really get into this whole location tagging thing. And I, I love it. I mean, I, I love to travel. And, you know, I took a, a fairly long motorcycle trip last fall in Northern California. And, you know, it was just great. I mean, this was one of the things I did testing iPhoto. I just took a whole bunch of those images, took my old log file, married them, loaded them to iPhoto. And, and there was my route right on, yeah. you know, right in iPhoto. So, so it, it's cool. You know, again, you know, you have to work at it right. one way or another, but you know, I, 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 I kind of like it. And this is one of those things I think in the next rev, you know, this will get really great. Um, and I had a lot of fun with it and you had a great tip. I didn't even discover it until I was finishing up my review, um, about, you know, I was having so much fun adding places to photos that I was kind of bummed that there was no, you know, no places mode. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd want to see all the pictures that I haven't tagged with places so I can add them and you can actually create a smart album, um, for, to, that will go through and find those, those photos that aren't tagged with, right. with, with location data, you know, which was great. Yeah. One of the other things I found useful about places is, um, using that as a way to identify activities. Um, and I mentioned this in a video that I did where, for example, I go somewhere and I go bird watching, and that's the only reason I would ever go there. So I can take that and then add a keyword based on that places uh, data, and the keyword would then be bird watching. And then I can do that for every location that's out of the way that the only activity I engage in is is bird watching. And it's a pretty simple way to uh, to create locations based on activity. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, you know, we talk about this issue of, you know, as we get thousands of photos, you know, you want to be able to find them. Yeah. I mean, really do want to be able to find them. And, and, you know, the, 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 the three ways or four ways, you know, it's like who, you know, where, you know, when and what, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, if, if, if you think a little bit about it and you're willing to put in a little bit of work. I mean, you know, then you can use things like smart albums, you know, events and all sorts of stuff to, to, to really get at those photos, you know, create great slideshows, you know, books, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Let's look at the uh, image editor for a minute. Now, I know you're an Aperture user and Lightroom and iPhoto has uh, enhanced the image editor a little bit. Is, uh, are those enhancements worthwhile and, and is there anything obvious they missed that they might have included? Um, they did it. They've they've they did a really good job of pulling some of the um, ap- some of the enhancements they've made to Aperture in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they brought the shadow and highlight tool from from or the the technology behind the shadow and highlight tool into iPhoto, which which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so you can bring back some detail that you might have lost. You know, sometimes you'll take a photo that's a bit overexposed, and your 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 skies are, are all white, and you know the 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 highlight you know slider can help bring some of that back. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in the the the, the vibrancy feature, um, and this is something that that both Adobe and Apple have been doing in in their pro products, which is you know we all love a little bit of saturation. You know, I mean, if you go to a place like Flickr, you know, you look at all these images and the, the most interesting, and they all seem kind of oversaturated, mm-hmm. um, you know, and our, our eye likes that. The problem is, is that, you know, you get a saturation slider and you, you start bumping up the saturation and it bumps up the skin tones right. and then they start to look weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they, Apple just added a, a, a little, you know, checkbox that you turn that on and it basically will not saturate the skin tones which mm-hmm. is which is nice um and you know in in aperture it's called vibrancy they didn't they didn't call it anything they just put that little checkbox in there mm-hmm. um you know they've there are a couple of other little things the the retouch brush is actually much better than in the last version um you know to to be honest i I really recommended that if anybody was wanted to do serious retouching and they were using iPhoto, that they use a product like Elements or Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think in iPhoto 09, it's much better. Um, one of the really good things, and I think this is another thing that, that, that helps people understand what's going on in editing their images is, you know, they have that, that little retouch button or, or enhance auto enhance button right. at the bottom of the screen that just magically makes sure it, picture look better well mo- most of the time <laughs> or just awful <laughs> right yeah um 
you know, and and the 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 thing that that um, drove me crazy in the last version is you know, so you have the adjustment panel, and the adjustment panel, you know, is where you can adjust the hist- you know, the the highlights and the shadows, the mm-hmm. brightness and all that sort of stuff. Well, they never, you know, they you you'd click that enhance button, and if you opened up the adjust panel everything was set to zero as yeah. if nothing had happened. And so it's like, how do you know what they did? And how do you go, well, okay, that that enhance button did make it look a little better, but I want to dial back a little bit of this. Right. Well, now when you click the enhance button and, and you open the adjust panel, it actually shows you what it did to enhance that. So you can go back and, and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, maybe I want the exposure a little bit less or I don't want as much contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, so I, I actually really, really liked that. Um, you know, it's still a very basic editor. Um, you know, which for most people is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was kind of dismayed that you know they've got this effects panel that's been sitting there for um, two revs now, I believe, and you know it's got the same nine or, or eight things, um, and and they're just kind of blah. I mean, the black mm-hmm. and white conversion is not great. The CP tone is a little bit over the top for me. Um, the vignetting tools, and this is vignettes are, you know, where the, the edges of the photo will be sort of darkened mm-hmm. a bit or lightened, and that's used to, to, to help focus attention on the subject of your photo. And, you know, that's a trick that photographers have been using for years. Um, and, you know, the vignette button in the effects panel, I mean, just you click it once and it just adds, I, I mean, it's like a black eye to me. Um, yeah, you know, it's like you, you paid a visit to Frontierland, you know, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. put a little sepia on there and I'm like, oh, good. Now I'm in the 1880s. Yeah. So it's it, it. I was kind of I, I wish they they would beef that up a little bit because, you know, people do like to add effects. You know, you know, most people don't want to do you know, they don't want to do pixel level editing with layers and masks and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but, you know, they do want to add a, a little bit of a subtle tone to it or, mm-hmm. you know, they'd like their black and white to be better. And, you know, Aperture has some really great tools for 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 creating black and white images. And, you know, it, it, it you know, creating black and white is not just removing the color. It's, you know, pumping up certain aspects of color. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why in the old days, you know, we're shooting black and white film, you know, in our cameras, we put a red filter on because, we, you know, we want to enhance the skies, right. uh, you know. And, and and I'd like to. I wish they had done a little bit more than that. But mm-hmm. the things they did do, they did well. Okay. Now, uh, before we go, any last thoughts on um, Flickr and Facebook integration? Well, both of them are, are good. The, one of the complaints that that I've seen that, that I don't I don't quite get. I, I mean, I think was that you know if you just go and you upload your your images and you haven't done anything to them, you know, they have the original title Mm -hmm. they don't have any description and it's like well you know if you're going to upload some pictures you really should think about you know you know titling the the image and things like that um they do you know it works like the old mobile me gallery worked Mm -hmm. you know where you'd get this little you know almost like an album um and they get like on Flickr, they get created as a set right and you know some people like that some people don't like that um, you know, Fraser Spears has a really good Flickr plugin that works with iPhoto 09. If you really want more control over what you get, you know, that's definitely worth the money. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for what they are, I, I thought they were quite good. And, and I've shown uh, probably five or six people both the Flickr and the Facebook integration, and they were all like, oh, I got to have that. Yeah. And, and and it was it was fun. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm not a big Facebook person, but I've got plenty of friends on Facebook, and I, you know, was played around with this last week and uploaded a bunch of photos, and people were tagging them all of a sudden, and oh, that's great. And so I, I think, you know, they're they're both probably more than sufficient for for what most people are doing, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 I was glad to see them because, you know, the mobile me gallery stuff was really cool, but you know, you had to be a .dot Mac member to use it, and. You know, and that's it would have been nice if there was a way to sort of, you know, be a little bit more friendly with that so that I could, you know, create these cool gallery things and upload on my website. But I could do that with a slideshow mode, I guess. So overall, iPhoto worth the price of the upgrade for iLife? Yes, I would say so. I would say so. You know, I mean if you if you really look at it and you go, I'm never gonna use faces and places, you know, probably not. But mm-hmm. I, I mean I there there's enough new stuff in there and, and it really is kind of fun. 
and and that's that's the thing it's like you know you 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 know you should at least be tagging your better images the ones you want to find mm-hmm. you know with keywords or something and faces and places are a nice alternative to using keywords um, i think you know if you use all three you know you've got a really nice system together so yeah, so, yeah I, I i i really liked it i really liked it i was i was i think i was more impressed with with iphoto 09 than i was with iphoto 08 um you know aside from a couple of little niggling points here and there you know um i i i think it's a really good upgrade okay so uh plug time and that is uh, your opportunity to tell us what you do when you're not writing for Macworld. <laughs> when I'm not writing for Macworld, I run the the photo printer review site, Printerville. That's printerville.net. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also the editor-in-chief of Photoshop Elements Techniques, a newsletter for Photoshop Elements users for both Mac and Windows. Wonderful. Well, we will put those links in the show notes. And thank you very much, Rick, for joining me. Thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it. And now a word about Macworld Super Guides. You spend every waking moment browsing Macworld.com, and when you find that impossible, you're crouched down with the latest issue of Macworld magazine. But there are times when you want to dive deep into a particular subject, digital music and video, leopard, digital photography, Mac security, or Mac basics, for example. Where do you go? Macworld Super Guides. Macworld Super Guides pack dozens of helpful pages available as DRM-free PDF files, on CD-ROM, or as printed books. Macworld Podcast listeners get a special discount on any superguide by going to www.macworld.com slash superguide hyphen offer. Check out the brand new Macworld Mac Security Superguide, a handy 84-page volume where we've collected everything you need to know to keep yourself safe and secure from the data on your hard drive to the data you send over the Internet. With our special offer link, you can have the PDF version of this invaluable guide for just $6.99. Macworld Super Guides, what you need to know. Up next, Jeff Carlson on iMovie09. I'm now joined by Jeff Carlson, managing editor of Tidbits, book author, and frequent Macworld contributor. Macworld just published Jeff's review of iMovie 09, and we're here to talk about that review and his impressions of the application. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for being here. So, specifically, what kind of new features does iMovie 09 have to offer? A lot of the features that were in iMovie HD are back. So, for example, you can send video directly from uh, iMovie to iDVD. That's... Mm -hmm old but new. Uh, you can um, make, you can extract audio from video clips, which uh, you could do in iMovie 08, but it was it was awkward. You had to have a whole special set of keys down. Uh, you can do cutaways. So in iMovie HD, that was called Paste Over at Playhead. And iMovie 09 makes it very easy and obvious to do those things. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's really cool. Um, I, then there are some other uh, little things that are worth noting, like um, you can save uh, projects on any drive, uh, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you're, you're editing a lot of video and having a lot of projects, you want to offload some of that to, a, to an external hard drive. Um, in terms of big features, though, uh, what's interesting, I think most interesting, uh, is image stabilization. So uh, what iMovie can do is scan your footage and figure out where um, the the image is shaky and compensate for that by zooming in and rotating the image a little bit so that um, when you play it back, uh, it's, it's not like you're holding a steady cam, but uh, the footage is a lot smoother. During the demo, they were showing this as, you know, as if everybody's on safari in a Jeep somewhere, you know, going bounding over the savannah. But yes. I think a lot of this may have to do with these little pocket camcorders that people are carrying now, the, the Minnow and the Kodak ZI6 that don't have image stabilization built in, and, and they need that kind of stabilization in uh, post-production. Exactly. I mean, um, when I was trying to figure out what sort of next camcorder I wanted to get, um, I pretty much uh, decided not to get like a flip camcorder, even though it's it's really small and convenient, because it doesn't have um, any image stabilization, which, um, you know, I'm 
I'm happy to to write about editing, but I'm not necessarily a good shooter. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I tend to have a you know a bouncy shots. Um, but honestly, when when iMovie introduced image stabilization, that kind of um, turned my turned my head around, and I thought, okay, well, uh, now having you know a small little camcorder is now more uh, more realistic. Mm-hmm. So um, what what's interesting about that uh, when I was talking to Apple. Um, I asked them the same thing. I said, well, uh, you know, did, did you guys do this specifically because of these little camcorders? And they said um, that the image stabilization won't do as good a job on on those camcorders as it would with, say, uh, you know, a regular camcorder that has, um, you know, some image stabilization mm. built in already. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially uh, with some, like the, the Minnow HD has a, um, a CMOS uh, sensor, mm-hmm. and um, cameras that have a CMOS sensor can um, suffer from this sort of jelly effect if you move the camera too much. Mm-hmm. And iMovie's image stabilization can make that effect a little bit worse. Wow. So um, I guess the, the whole point of that is that um, even with the image stabilization it's not going to be the complete cure for, um, you know, just sort of swinging your camera wildly about. You need to, you know, still try to keep it as steady as, as you can, but it will definitely help. Okay. Now, I've heard that the uh, image stabilization can take a really long time. Did you find that to be so? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I, I timed a, uh, just a, a one-minute clip um, that was um, uh, HD. I brought it in. In, in the uh, large size is on um, 960 by um, uh, where's it 540 yeah and um, uh, it took about four and a half minutes to do that um, the same clip uh, at the full size so 1920 by 1080 took about five and a half minutes so so that's just for a one minute clip um, and you know I I don't have the latest and greatest uh, I mean I don't have like a you know eight core Mac Pro I just have a uh, MacBook Pro that's a few years old, mm-hmm. but um, you know, still the image stabilization definitely is something that you you either want to um, do when you're importing so that you can just import your footage and then walk away for you know I don't know a few hours depending on how much how much you want to look at, mm-hmm. um, or you can do it after it's imported on a clip by clip basis and you know maybe. Do it, do it in big chunks when you know you're going to, you know, go to bed or have a meal or get coffee or something. Right. Now, what it specifically is it doing? Is it cropping out the edges uh, and then doing calculations kind of on the center of the uh, image or what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's looking for differences between frames. Uh, and then um, so it, if you have one frame and and a lot of the 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 image shifts a little, let's say it shifts like like up and to the right a little bit, mm-hmm. um, it will take the next frame and um, it will zoom in a little bit and crop it so that it matches the previous frame. Um, but what's really interesting about this is that um, it's not like rendering a brand new clip. So iMovie is only keeping track of what those adjustments are, mm-hmm. and so then. Later on, when you go to apply it, um, it's not having to, to recreate footage. It's just saying, okay, on this frame, it needs to be rotated this much and zoomed this much. Um, that's not something that you see, but the practical um, application of that is that you can control how much of the image stabilization gets applied. So if you have it cranked all the way up and you think, oh, that you know, kind of looks a little, a little too steady mm-hmm. or maybe, um, you know, um, there's some sort of a little you know wavy artifact because of it's it's a you know one of those CMOS sensor mm-hmm. um, captured footage. Um, you can um, pull that back a little bit without having to you know, again you know re-render a clip and wait for all that to happen. Okay. Now I want to go back to iMovie HD for a minute um, because iMovie. 08 was such a huge departure, and a lot of people who were used to iMovie HD were not happy with it and tried yeah. 08 and said, nope, not going to do that. Unfortunately, they could still use um, HD. So is iMovie 09 a big enough improvement that those people using HD are going to be convinced to finally jump over, assuming that they ever can be convinced? Right. Um, I think for the most part, yes. I mean, yeah, they did. Uh, Apple did 
put in a lot of the, the old features that were gone in, in iMovie 08. And I think that was part of the angst about 08 um, was that, you know, like a lot of things that I'd been able to do for years, I could still do. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those didn't make the, the, the transition. So, for example, um, in iMovie 09 still cannot do uh, what they call rubber band editing of audio. So you can't adjust the levels of, of, of the audio in a clip um, within the clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you've been able to do since iMovie three, um, so that's kind of frustrating. So, so if if someone you know really uses that a lot, then they're not going to be as happy. A big part of it is um, you know it, it it has support for AVC HD footage, yeah. and you know as much as as I like tape uh, camcorders and the quality of of DV tape and HDV, they're just going away. Yeah. Um, you know they're they're not selling as well. Um, but I think another big part of it is just that, um, you know, a, a lot of what iMovie 09 does, like it's, it's snappy. It's, um, if, if you decide that you want to change a title, you don't have to, you know, go in and recreate data or anything like that. You just go and edit that bit right there. I think a lot of people just cannot accept the new interface and that may be just the, the thing that pushes them to Final Cut Express or, um, you know, gets them to stay with iMovie HD for as long as it still works. I don't know. There are a lot of a lot of really good things about iMovie 09 that I think are worth making the jump. Um, mm-hmm. For another example, um, having your entire video library um, available, I think, is really helpful. So that you don't have to like remember. Okay, was the sunset that I shot was that in you know my um, Arizona two movie or like you can just go and scroll through and find like, you know, the, the sunset shot from a completely different event or, you know, tape or whatever, and use that in your project without having to open a bunch of different, um, iMovie files. Where they put a lot of these added back features, I suppose, um, are within iMovie 09's precision editor. Um, how precise is that editor and how easy is it to use? Um, I have to say it's a little weird at first. Um, and I think that's, that's, uh, it's, it's asking you to sort of revisualize, um, how you're editing. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, for people who haven't seen it yet, basically the precision editor, um, lets you take a clip and, um, I'm sorry, take an edit point between two clips and it will show, um, the, the, the previous clip on the top and the 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 next clip on the bottom and you get to edit the locate or the the spot between those two mm-hmm. it is very precise in that you you get sort of an expanded uh better view of what you're doing mm-hmm. so you're not trying to um you know sort of move your little um guide to the left or the right in your project and wondering you know how that's going to make both, you know, sides look on on that edit. So um, you, you get to actually see more of what you're doing. And what's particularly helpful is you can uh, view the audio clips from the the audio that belongs to those clips, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe offset where the audio comes in, or move those things around a little bit more in an expanded view that you don't have uh, in the regular project editor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it appears to me, and I haven't used it a lot, but it, it seems like two separate GarageBand tracks, and I'm kind of moving those around and manipulating each one, and then sort of as, as if I'm crossfading them or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, which seems like they've gone to great pains to avoid actually putting a timeline in there, but this is about as close as they're going to get. It is, yeah. Yeah, um, it 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 is sort of odd because um, you're right. It, it does sort of come closer to the the traditional timeline, which you know Apple. I don't think they even refer to like I, I don't think they use the word timeline. No, anymore. it's it's totally dead to them. It's 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 the film strip. Although, it, which sort of drives me crazy because I mean, actually, the project is a timeline. It's just not you know zooming off the side of the screen it just happens to be in a you know like a a paragraph um uh presentation where yeah, it wraps you know, yeah yeah it wraps and so i mean it is a timeline it's just not the timeline that 
people are 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 used to. Um, you know, maybe that's just my my little you know bias, but um, it does seem a little weird that they've had to I don't know um, break up their new metaphor by bringing the old one in right. for this instance. Yeah, and not fully embracing that old metaphor either. So they're, yeah. still, they're still keeping it at arm's length, which just seems odd to me. All right, well, let's talk about their image quality. How is the image quality in iMovie? Um, it's largely unchanged from iMovie 8. So um, and that's that, that's kind of a loaded answer. Um, for most people, um, you're not going to notice any sort of reduced image quality. Um, you know, HD video looks great and, you know, you offload it to iDVD and, and uh, things look fine and all that. Um, and I, I, I qualify all that because – um, what iMovie 08 introduced and what iMovie 09 continues is that um, your your HD footage is is being um, uh, imported in most cases at that large size, that 960 by 540. Um, so you're not actually working with the full HD quality that you shot. Right. Um, and you know there are a lot of uh, a, a lot of exceptions because um, apparently some cameras that shoot 1080 um, footage aren't actually recording 1080 footage that they're like blowing it up before it or into your um, um, computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that's sort of consideration. Um, you can import things in the in the full version, which is the, the, the 1080 size, um, and, and work with it, although um, it can be a little a little stuttery. The reason that, that Apple sort of imposed this, this, um, this downsizing um, was, was for performance. And, and I think because you're sort of starting with um, uh, fairly compressed footage, um, ABC HD, for example, is, 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 is fairly compressed. So you're not going to you know, lose a whole lot of... of um, image quality say if you were shooting you know uncompressed hd mm-hmm. and if you're doing that you wouldn't be using iMovie anyway right that, that's the long convoluted answer the short answer is um it looks good and if you're really particular about about image quality um then final cut's probably a better option Oh wait! I, I should also point out that um a lot of people are seeing problems with um interlaced footage and I brought that up with Apple and they said that they're um, they're aware of it and they're trying to figure out you know what's going on so um, there is some bug or somewhere that they're that they're working on AVC HD footage is transcoded into Apple's um, Apple intermediate codec so mm-hmm. AIC uh, which is used so that um, iMovie can can edit it better um, when you send a project to iDVD even though iDVD is going to um, compress that down to MPEG-2, what gets sent is the AIC file. And what's what's different about that versus iMovie HD uh, is that iMovie HD would um, first uh, compress it using H.264 um, compression and send a QuickTime movie to iDVD, which would then get compressed again. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the advantage here is that your your image quality going from iMovie to iDVD is going to be slightly better because it's it's removing one compression step. All right, so let's talk about Final Cut Express. Um, given that Apple's made it difficult to return to iMovie HD because they basically removed it now because yeah, iMovie is perfect as it is now. Uh, yes, yes, it is. What is this iMovie HD you're talking about? Uh, I've never heard of that. Something from the prehistoric days when we made movies with rocks and flint. Um, <laughs> so, at what point now should iMovie users consider moving to Final Cut Express? I mean, what kind of walls do you finally have to hit and say, "That's it. It's time to trade up." That's a really good question. Um, I think that. For me, if I was working on like a longer project, so you know, let's say I I decide I'm going to make a you know, um, you know, thirty minute mini feature or something like that, um, I, I would probably go to Final Cut uh, Express uh, because um, you know I would probably shoot it on HD, even if it's not you know some you know really super fancy camera, but you know like something like a like a, 
Canon HV30, which mm-hmm. is a you know a very good um, sort of prosumer camera. Um, so in that case, I would want to make sure that I have all the quality that I can. What iMovie does is uh, iMovie gives someone who uh, doesn't necessarily want to be like an editor um, the capability to to edit things together. So it's it's mm-hmm. very much geared towards someone who's going to you know take the footage from you know the kid's birthday and throw it into iMovie. Add some music in the background and you know upload that parents to see online. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think one of the things that that Final Cut Express would do, um, although you can do this a little bit in in, in iMovie 09, um, but Final Cut Express gives you a lot more video tracks to work with. Mm-hmm. So you can have like up to ninety nine video tracks and ninety nine audio tracks and it gives you a timeline, so if you really like the timeline, then then you know you, you can stick with that. Um, but that gives you a lot more um, a lot more flexibility to you know mix and match clips and and try different things. Mm-hmm. Um, iMovie 09 can do that a little bit. Uh, you can actually layer the video clips a little bit by using either the the cutaway feature or um, uh, th- th- there are two other features we haven't mentioned. Um, you can do a picture-in-picture. Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have you know one video clip in a little box that can be resized and moved around the screen. Um, and it also includes uh, some basic green screen right. uh, features, which is, it actually works a little better than I expected. Um, but I think... If you're going to do something where you're going to really invest a lot of time into, like, you know, one project or two projects, then uh, Final Cut Express is probably a better choice. Right, and it also supports plugins, which iMovie yes. does not. That's that, that's an excellent point. Yeah, I forgot about that because um, beginning with iMovie 08, uh, there are no plugins that work. So, um, and then Final Cut Express and Pro. Um, there are all sorts of different things you can buy to to make things better. Yeah, well, I, I have to give credit though to Apple for at least with O nine expanding um, a lot of the effects and the transitions and titles, so you don't miss those plugins that that you did with O eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I, I can understand Apple's um, uh, idea that that a lot of the the plugins were really sort of getting silly and mm-hmm. I, I don't mean that bad and you know to any of the plugin developers but um you know there are only so many um you know zooming heart transitions that you can stand um <laughs> for that love american style uh, exactly yeah. exactly although although what's funny is apple added this this 1970s uh title um i think they call it boogie boogie lights ah. uh, in, in imovie 09 which um, what, what's funny about it is you can't change the font. Like it, it's this very seventies, uh, font and then it has like sort of disco lights that show up as your title, uh, appears. Nice. So, um, Apple is not afraid to bring out the cheese when it thinks that it's good enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm going to have to look in GarageBand for the soundtrack for that. Cause there's, there must be a oh, jingle track be. in there somewhere that's got that waka 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 <laughs> to go along with it. <laughs> and I haven't found it yet, but I will certainly look for that. So overall, you uh, you like iMovie 09? I do, I do. Um, I, I liked it at at MacWorld when we saw the demo, and of course, I was also like, okay, well, you know, it's also an Apple demo, so yeah. what's going to blow up? And um, so far, it seems really solid. Um, I think for most people who are are doing videos, um, this gives them a good combination of being able to, you know, um, assemble things quickly. And then also have you know more precision with the precision editor, um, more effects and titles and things like that. Um, we didn't even talk about um, themes, which uh, there are like only four or five themes, but Apple is, has uh, incorporated them well in the sense that um, you can apply a theme to a project, and what it does is it will um, do something you know some little graphic-y thing like on a bulletin board mm-hmm. um, at the beginning and at the end, and then it'll throw in some sort of theme transitions. But what's nice is if you say, okay, you know what? Uh, I don't want that, or I want to use a different theme. You can just apply that, and you don't have to go in and change each little item like you could mm-hmm. um, in iMovie HD. So let's get to the plug. Your iMovie book is called? iMovie 09 and iDVD Visual Quick Start Guide. Right, and you're busily working on that now, and we'll see it 
springtime probably busily frantically yeah i think um uh probably after printing distribution like april ish okay good april or, or early may right uh, um depends on how much coffee i drink between now and then <laughs> well you live in coffee country so i think you could probably drink a lot i do i do there's some great coffee here in seattle right okay so until that ships where can people go to learn more about your experiences with iMovie and other stuff um, I have a blog, believe it or not, mm. blog technologies. Mm. Um, if you go to jeffcarlson.com slash iMovie, um, that will take you to my, my iMovie blog. And um, I write about iMovie and iLife for you know, tidbits uh, at tidbits.com. And um, in fact, uh, this weekend, I'm not sure when, when the podcast is going to appear, but um, uh, I'm writing about iLife for the Seattle Times that will appear on Saturday. Excellent. Well, we will look for all those things and uh, visit your site as well. Excellent. Thanks very much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. That wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by Macworld Superguides, what you need to know. Macworld Podcast listeners can get a discount on any superguide by going to www.macworld.com slash superguide hyphen offer. I'd like to thank Rick LePage, Jeff Carlson, Jeff Stoutenborough, and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, and that includes questions for Mac911 Takes to the Air, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-520-9761. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPhone, Apple TV, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening. See you next time.